going on everyone we are back we got jared and matt again uh and we're gonna be doing some force continuum today it's gonna be a good topic uh jared specializes in this he is a defensive tactic instructor among amongst several other things that makes him uh, a pretty good subject matter expert yeah in this i yeah. think we could See, say unique expert? Expert? master yeah i've got a, like a master or something uh, like I out there i like to put it best that uh i've got a unique set of skills that i've developed over a very long period of time i've heard this one um in which that yeah just bring it so no it's a it's a great topic to talk about uh use of force so uh so if you're not familiar with, uh, with the use of force continuum, uh, so just a little history on it. Uh, it was founded back in the late 70s um, by a doctor uh, who just kind of looked at how use of force kind of works uh, in law enforcement um, and kind of gave several different steps uh, in, what that law, in what that use of force looks like. Uh, so he broke it down to uh, a couple of different things. So first one is uh, for officers just to show up, right? It's just your mere presence, right? That shows that that is a bit of a force in certain situations, right? When you show up, things can and often do calm down or at least are de-escalated just by your presence, just by you showing up. Which happens if you've ever been pulled over on a traffic stop or if you've ever been a part of a situation where law enforcement shows up and the badge is being shown. A lot of times your nerves, whether you, it's like you didn't even do anything wrong. I, I know that I used to get that way years and years and years ago where I, you know, an officer would make contact with me. And for whatever reason, I'm just like, man, am I in trouble? That's not necessarily uh, true, but you can see the psychological thing that's being played in their head. And right. it is, yeah, First it's the it's the, the officer presence, the presentation of authority in 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 many aspects, right? So that authority shows up that uh, you know the general your general uh, person just goes, all right, I guess I should listen, you know. And they're here to, I called them to bring order into the chaos in which I found myself, and so right. uh, so you get that one. The next uh, step above that is your. Uh, is what we like to call uh, in the business uh, your verbal judo, but basically your your talking skills. How do you talk to people? Are you able to, you know, de-escalate people with just your words? You know, the things that you say. Um, can that resolve that issue? Uh, and I tell you, there's you see some officers that uh, that excel in this, and some officers that that don't. Right? You can have the the officer that will talk a person down and have that the whole situation calm, and then you have the the other officer that just not be that they're doing it intentionally. They just show up and just for whatever reason, it just kind of maybe you, articulation just yeah. isn't in their repertoire. You right. know what I mean? It, Nonverbal communication goes in there too. You show up and you got this face like, dude, you're wasting my time. Why am I here? Right. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. People pick up on that, believe it or not. I yeah, mean, like if you're not yeah. approachable or something like that, you know, I've exactly. heard that that can be an so issue. So I've heard. Right. Yeah, and that's also perception. I think uh, sometimes we don't always look at this, but perception of people um, can be a big part of it, right? What What is your past history with law enforcement? You know, what is your recent encounters? Those types of things. Or what is just your perception of what that officer is saying or presenting to you in that moment? You know, there's, uh, they've had, um, 
I remember you probably guys all had this in your academy where they talked about the guy on the traffic stop who was not going to go back to prison, who was wanted for homicide, and he mm-hmm. went into handcuffs peacefully and safely. And when they at, interviewed him about it, uh, why he did it, he he said that officer was squared away. He was fit. His uniform was squared away. The way he spoke, the way he presented himself to that person made that person believe that had he wanted to engage that officer physically or uh, in a deadly force situation, that that officer was going to uh, engage him at a high rate, at a high manner, and, and be very effective. And so, Right. And just so our listeners understand, I will, all three of us can sit here and, and tell you without a doubt, we show up on scene, and depending on the type of situation, crime being committed, we're, we're talking to a, an individual that's been in and out of the system quite a bit, but suspects of crimes, more often than not, they are challenging us with their eyes. They look us up and down. They see our presence. They see our approach to them. They see whether we know the laws and policies that we're uh, spitting out in our explanation of things in the interview, interrogation that we are... Um, involved with with them and they challenge us they look you up before they react and and they do that constantly and it's something that officers have to be very aware of and it is something that uh with verbal judo yeah and it's also again part of that is just being squared away being fit being confident in your ability what are you there for why are you there um, what laws, what, uh, are you standing on? Do you have behind you, um, that you are enforcing and, and that plays a huge, huge role in, in, in being, uh, confident in what you're doing. So the next step on that is physical skills. And obviously this is a big topic, uh, with a bunch of recent events, with all these recent events going around that, uh, having physical skills to be able to control a, an individual, an unarmed individual is huge and we've talked on this uh on on a previous episode before but uh you know i'm i'm very big on this one is being able and confident in your skills to go hands-on and i think that's uh one of those big ones because if you are confident and capable uh at this level it can either bring it down or it can escalate it can amp it up so you you can be presented with either one and so uh, the next step uh, after that was is uh, less lethal. So that's your taser, impact weapons, uh, OC spray, uh, any one of those beanbag rounds, anything like that. Uh, our 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 new uh, our new toy that we've gotten our our forty millimeter uh, exact impact rounds. Those types of things fall under uh, those less lethal. Uh, that and then at the very end is deadly force. So uh, we all know what that is. Uh, so using your firearm or doing something that is going to likely cause serious bodily injury or death. Right, right. And for those who aren't keeping score and keeping track of this, I mean, that is, uh, Jared just gave a breakdown of what the continuum is. It's it's the officer present showing up, and then it's it goes to verbal, and then it goes to hands-on, and then it goes to less lethal, and then it goes to deadly force. And so that is the use of force continuum that was broken down uh, eloquently, by, eloquently by Jared in terms of where it all started, but this all came about with the discussion of how far can officers take situations? You know, right. when are they allowed to escalate for how do, how our do they safety? Know when they go up how how do they know yeah. right. how to continue to go up? And so and when, let's break that yeah. down. So when this was originally, it was actually implemented in a step 
right? So you actually had to kind of go through each step before progressing, right? So uh, in in this model back in the 70s was if you were going to go with a deadly force, that means you also had to have the officer presence, which anytime you show up, that's officer presence, right? Mm-hmm. You had to try to talk to that person. You had to go hands-on with that person or try to use a less lethal option. Uh, that's and the courts have held that that's not a reasonable standard, right? Uh, a normal person is not held to the standard of if you're presented a deadly force situation, if you're presented being robbed or harmed, that you don't have to just start at a lower um, force level, right? You match it or you go above it to protect yourself or your family. And so when they started looking at those. Uh, in the basically the the Grand V Connor is that it has to be reasonable, right? You don't you're not required to make this a step program. It's a what are you presented with, and now what's the reasonable re- reaction by another officer with the same training, same years of experience, not just by a uh, a person who doesn't uh, is not involved in law enforcement. So it's a so if you're presented me with just you're just yelling at me, okay, well that tells me that. Uh, my presence isn't working, so now let's try using my my verbal judo, right? My talking. Can I de-escalate you? Can I get you, you know, to calm down, to be reasonable, to be rational, and and that now if it's not and you violated crimes and you are going to be placed under arrest, and I inform you that you're going to be placed under arrest, then your reaction is not to basically comply with a lawful order. Now I have to pick and choose what I'm going to do. Is is it going to be a hands-on? Is it going to be a less lethal? Um, obviously, deadly force is very kind of specific mm-hmm. uh, about what uh, it needs to be there, right? You have to be, there has to be the serious threat, the immediate threat of serious bodily harm or death to you or, or an innocent person or, a, you know, to a, to a regular person. So, right. so it makes it uh, one of those things where you have to, Make a choice. What am I going to do? You know, am I going to be hands-on? Am I going to use a less lethal? Am I going to in, uh, use a taser or an impact weapon or OC? And what, you, what you mentioned earlier, just so our, our listeners know, when you talk about Graham v. Connor, he's talking about a, a Supreme Court case and something that law enforcement backs uh, or fall back falls back on in order to uh, say, yes, the actions that we are going to take now and in the future are backed by the Supreme Court. Right. And, and you'll hear law enforcement back that all the time. And, and real quick, one of the points that you made in terms of what am I going to do at this point? This is the part that the public sees. This is the social media. This is everybody picking up their phone and showing that now there's a verbal altercation be, between a, a law enforcement officer or multiple law enforcement officers and one subject, two subje- subjects, whatever the case may right. be. And, and the decision at that point when an, an officer tells you that you're under arrest, you are under arrest. That is not the time to have that argument or a fight with the officer because things are just going to escalate. Because of the use of force continuum, this is what the public always sees. Right. This is the escalation of force that they watch from officers because the officer or officers are trying to uh, affect an arrest. And so they say you're under arrest. They go in to try to handcuff. Now a fight is on. Well, you just started stepping up that use of force continuum. Right. And, uh, and the Supreme court has held on that, uh, basically you are as an officer, you're allowed to use, I guess, one step higher than what is being presented to you. 
So if you're physically assaulting me, right, I can either physically uh, restrain you and, and defend myself, or I can use a less lethal tool, right? So that's kind of that next step, I guess you would call it, um, in, in that force continuum. So I get to pick and choose, and I also get to choose what that less lethal is going to be, right, based on the totality of the circumstances. Um, and even in that, uh, that, um, that uh, less lethal, there's still, there's, either in smaller steps, right, as to where certain things fall on that continuum as well, right? So you have at the bottom end, you'd have like uh, OC, right? Your OC is kind of, uh, your pepper spray is kind of your lesser. Then you have your intermediates, which are beanbags, um, taser, and impact weapons. So those types of things. So there's even steps within there. Or even on the belt, you know, the the batons, right? the the asps. So, yeah, you have those weapons, uh, taser, things like that. Those are the less lethal. We've talked about it in, in a past episode where we would uh, speak of the less lethals that we have available to us. But those less lethals are a part of the use force. Right. Continuum. Absolutely. And like I said, there's even steps within there. And then, you know, as you start to you have to evaluate, what do I am? What am I capable of doing? Right. Am I capable of physically controlling this person? You know, all of the officer subject factors go into that, you know, height, weight, skill level, um, fitness level. Um, and all of those things that, that fall into that, that I have to evaluate in a split second to decide what is it that I'm going to do? What am I going to do to defend myself, to affect this arrest, right? Because there's, we don't necessarily always get the luxury of going, you're under arrest and they go, uh, no pound sand. And we go, yeah, you know what? Maybe tomorrow we'll come back. <laughs> you look like you've had kind of a rough day. You, you're right. You don't need to be arrested today. Let's uh, right. let's my, come back. My my explanation of the laws and, and everything that you just broke, I understand now that I was wrong. Right. You know, so I'm going to go ahead and go home. Not, yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. That's not how it works. And and we do have to make those decisions. And we've all we've second. all had it right. We, you're under arrest, and and the response was no. Hmm. Uh, uh, you okay. brought us some good stuff, though, um, Jared, as far as like the split second and kind of picking back on our last episode about uh, evading and officers have to constantly evaluate, um, you know, whether um, people on the road, all those things. Right. Same thing with this one as far as split second and officer has to make that quick decision. If it's a pregnant female. Right. And mm-hmm. you are justified of force continuum to use, like, say, the impact weapon, say a beanbag round or like the 40 mic might. And the torso is one of the targeted areas for those weapons. Right. Pregnant female, that's a, that's a no-go. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably a no-go. You're mm-hmm. going to have to rely on something else, yep. um, whether, and again. The risk is too great. Yeah. I mean, what and if she's moving around? She, right. She's probably not just like yelling with Elderly. one hand and, and she's just moving in the same spot just for, so that you can perfectly have that impact weapon, right. weapon hit. You have to take into consideration she's moving around a lot. She's really pissed off. What if I miss and it hits her stomach? And yep. yeah, things, and, and, and all those, consider. all those do come into account. Elderly male and the memory care wing of uh, a facility that's swinging his cane around. Right. Are you justified for the same force on him as a 22-year-old male at Walmart swinging a cane around and acting right. irate? You know? he's, he's probably not going to close the distance as quick as someone in their 20s you yeah. know, with a stick or a bat in their hand. That cane should probably give that officer a good indication, but still. But just so like our listeners understand, about, everything is, and I'm going to the extreme process, of them, but it it's though. and it's split second. We have the ability afterwards to watch body cam and break it down. You can even hit, like 
go back 15 seconds. Let's do half speed this time. Let me really see what this officer's dealing with. Right. These officers got split second. Uh, and even, and same thing with the use of force, right? The, I decide to go hands-on with somebody, right? There's varying levels of use of force, right? From even within that, right? From physically striking somebody to just, you know, limb control, body control, you know, controlling a subject, right? All those things, um, you know, joint manipulation, uh, any of those things, even going into chokes, right? That are, that are available depending on the situation, right? Mm -hmm. Because you could very much go from just going hands-on from an unarmed person to now I'm hands-on with somebody who's armed with a edge weapon, um, possibly a firearm that they've produced out of somewhere else, you know, and maybe they didn't have any weapons and they are reaching for your weapons. Yeah. I mean, the, the situation is ever evolving and we have to constantly be reevaluating as to what tool we're going to go to next. Um, and, and we'll be talking about it here and maybe we want to jump in unless cam, you got a, something else you want to say, because one of the big topics that you just mentioned is chokeholds. And so law enforcement officers nationwide, you know, you have, uh, departments coming out and saying, absolutely. We don't, teach chokeholds. Well, I, I hope departments put that in pers perspective because that's telling the public never, ever, ever, ever would it be appropriate for an officer to use a chokehold. And, mm -hmm. and is that accurate? And no, not no, accurate at all. It's not accurate. And, at all. and also here's the other thing that you have to take into consideration. What is a chokehold, right? If I just happen to grab you around the head, the, the head or the neck, right? The natural instinct of any person that is that trains very little in a martial arts or that is to grab the head, right? We all understand at a very basic level that the head controls the body, and so I'm going to get control of the head. And so when I reach up to grab you around the head, I'm going to grab you around the neck, I'm going to put you in a side headlock. Is that a chokehold? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, it, it's a lot of uh, viewers on the street are probably going to call it that. Yeah, one hundred percent, right? But again, it's the natural thing. If you have very little training, um, like if you know, uh, uh, we could go out with uh, one of our listeners and go, "All right, I'm gonna come at you, see what you got." The general population is going to grab around the head, around the neck, to try to control a person because, in their mind, they believe that that is control, and which uh, which we all know is not. But it's something that, again, if you're not training at a, at a level that you need to be, that may be something where you end up. And then now you're on video, got somebody in a side headlock, and now you're being prosecuted for, you know, assault or aggravated assault because they're calling it a chokehold. You're screaming that I can't breathe, but you're, you're still able to, and, the, and it's not an actual chokehold. And I think that's sometimes you just have to take those into consideration. Yeah, which, by the way, happens all the time. I, I just, in the, what, two and a half months that I've been back on patrol, I have been involved with multiple incidents where the individual was saying, I can't breathe. Right. It's almost like a go-to type thing for them to say because everything that we were doing not only was uh, – we were affecting the arrest, but it was as little as possible, but it's almost like the go-to, Hey, the cops are on me. They're, they're piggy piling me, not my behavior or anything like that, but in no way, shape or form were these individuals in these types of situations put into a position where they couldn't breathe. Right. And I know we're just going over like the force continuum use force uh, is a whole new or another topic type thing. But in, in what you're talking about, that's one thing that's really important for officers to understand is force continuum and our listeners goes both ways, right? You have the, you can jump up tiers, but as soon as you get whatever situation or control, 
you need to bring it back down. Yeah, and that's a bricks. lot of times where officers do yeah. find themselves getting in trouble. It's not so much the force they used, yeah. it's them not turning it off right. after it's resolved. Right. In your situation where they say they can't breathe, the officer is communicating with them. All right, roll them onto their side. We got mm-hmm. you in cuffs. Hey, what's going on? Can you tell me what's going on? Yeah. You know, bring it the, right back in, down. In those situations, it was, let us get you handcuffed. Stop resisting. Stop yep. fighting with us. Stop putting us in danger. Stop sitting there saying or or accusing us that we are causing you not to breathe just comply and then we're we're going to be done that happens all the time anyway but again let me be very clear with our viewers that we're not involved with these situations and i'm not going to go into death because we're talking about something else these individuals were not put into a situation where they couldn't breathe it was just something that they were saying because it is almost like a very popular thing to do right now with police on scene i've seen it multiple times now in just two and a half months where these individuals are saying that, but Cam is exactly right. Reevaluate, yeah, reassess you, and, and verbalize and, while and you're verbalize doing it. what hey, you're doing. Just let's get you in cuffs. We'll get you taken care of whatever, you know, yeah. and, and you've got to hit the brakes and it's up to us to do it. It's not uh, the courts have held that it's not up to the individual to deescalate for, for, um, for lack of that, that kind of that term, but it's up to us. It's up to law enforcement. So once you have that person in control, whether it's control through the hands or, or physical control um, under control of, uh, of, a, of a less lethal uh, option, we have to back that thing down and we have to get, keep ourselves under control uh, so that we can evaluate, constant evaluation again. And that's where all of those other factors come in. Do you train? Are you fit? Um, you know, have you been training? Are these scenarios that you've been in and you've evaluated seriously uh, in that uh, in your use of force policy, in your use of force uh, legislation in your in your state, and understanding these uh, very critical um, Supreme Court cases? Again, you've got Graham v. Connor. That's the one that will will always it's always it gets challenged in the use of force right, right. is it reasonable um for that officer to do what they were doing are they um would an officer that has the same amount of experience same amount of training would they do that in this same exact scenario and uh, and so you look at that and you go yes or that officer would go, no, this is what I would have done in that scenario, you know, and so. And, and it again, could come down to training uh, from department to department, state right. to state. You know, maybe they are trained uh, a little bit better into def- defensive tactics. Not all departments are created equal with that. But again, uh, there is an overall scope as what officers can and cannot do with a use of force. And that's backed by the Supreme Court of what we're talking about. Right. The training is extremely important, but one officer to the next, depending on the training within that apartment, may right. handle it differently. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you have to take those, again, the, the, the totality of those circumstances. Again, they don't take, they don't say, hey, Jared, uh, what would you do in this situation when I have the officer who may have the same amount of time on that I have, but their training is not as extensive. Their Nowhere training close. is, yeah. you know, so my judgment in what I would do would go, well, this is what I would do looking at the situation, but that doesn't necessarily mean that another officer, that's not what Cam would do, what, what you would do. It's what, you know, it's kind of that totality. And, and so, yeah, but uh, going back to that, that uh, the continuum is with that use of force, they said, look, it's not a step, you know, you don't need to take these steps. It's a, uh, the best way I've always, that I've always looked at it is you, if you take the, the different options that, a, that an officer has, right. Uh, a mere presence, uh, 
verbal uh, commands, verbal presence, um, hands-on, uh, the less lethal and all the less lethal that, that are accompanied in it, right? You put the officer in the middle, you know, create like a circle. You put the officer in the middle and then you allow that officer to choose from those different options that he needs based on right. what's being presented to him by the suspect, by the totality of the circumstances, the environment, all of that stuff so that the officer can go, this is what I need. This is the best tool that I have available to me to, to resolve this issue of physical custody. Uh, you know, cause like I said, or defense or to resolve these issues, uh, from taking people into custody. So I think we've, again, it's, I've got to choose what's best for me, what I'm capable of doing, knowing my limitations, my tools limitations, and being able to uh, pick the right tool for the right job. And I think that's a big time. I think that's one of those things in that, uh, again, that use of force continuum. And I think continuum is kind of not the word that's the best word to use because continuum makes it sound like I have to move from one step to the another, right? It's this, 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 and this rather than, um, which is a common question from the public. They ask a lot, do an R officer, do you require as an agency, when a, when a citizen is asking, do you guys require your officers to follow the use of force continuum? Right. And, and it's not that easy. The use of force continuum, like you just described is ever changing. And, and I may go from officer presence to deadly force in a second. Right. Right. And, and that's, the key when we're talking about and when citizens are thinking, Hey, you, you didn't do this first. Did you have to exhaust all efforts before you went from officer presence to uh, deadly force? And a prime example on that one is it can go from officer presence to less lethal back down to officer presence and then back up to hands on. Right. And an example. So I'm, I'm recently back on graves and we might show up to a bar fight or a DUI where we taste the person and then we take them back to the PD to continue our DUI investigation. You know, after we tase them, we get them in handcuffs. Everything's pretty good. Um, then we got to do a blood draw. So say a handcuff comes out. And then all of a sudden they start fighting again. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they start kicking and they we never pulled them out of handcuffs. And we got to go back hands on and stuff like that. So it can it can ebb and flow. Um, yeah. yeah. And I know, Matt, you got some really good questions. But I wanted to hit something for our listeners real quick on, on something Jared has hit a few times, just kind of mentioned it, but fitness and kind of the importance behind it. Um, I know this isn't really about the fitness aspect or the use of force, but just so officers can, or our listeners and officers can kind of understand why fitness is so important. And deputies. Yeah. Deputies and and troopers. Yeah. Yeah. Is, um, you know, when you, and you can be in a, a black belt and all that stuff, you can obviously get more into this, but when you get in that fight or something like that, you're not getting as much oxygen to the brain. So you're not thinking as well. So a lot of times when you see these videos going around of officers involved with uses of force where they don't bring it back down, a lot of times they're not really getting enough oxygen to the brain. They're not really thinking it through. They can't, you know, bring it back down. So right. that's one of the big, big things I can see as far as fitness on there as well as presence because you, you're right. You do, you hold a higher confidence when right. I was a detective and I would review body cams on a case or something, there'd be times where situations kind of dissolving and then a confident officer shows up and all of a sudden the suspect's like, I don't want any part of that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm it's, good. It's a huge thing and, and we don't always think of it, but again, you have to be fit. This is a huge, you're in a 
a fight in which your body is burning through oxygen at a high rate, right, to fuel those muscles, all of those muscles. And I, I think sometimes we don't always understand that, that uh, you are, it's all of your muscles. It's your legs. It's your calves, if you have them. Uh, it's your arms. It's your chest. It's your back, right? It's everything that your body is using to control this person. You, have, you are literally controlling another human being who is resisting in some form or fashion, whether it's, um, or they're being assaultive or they're just trying to get away. Right. And, and that distinction is vital to understand and, and being fit and being able to stay within the fight. Right. Nobody's expecting, right. Uh, well, I guess you might be expecting if you're a, a rural deputy or a rural troop trooper, right. You might be expe- expected that you might have to go for five, 10, 15 minutes before you ever get help. Right. Any, any backup at all. Yeah. yeah and, and your yeah. backup could be 45 minutes to an hour away, you know, or longer. And so if you are standing on the side of this lonely two-way highway, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and your backup, closest backup is 45 minutes away. And hope you, you're ready. Yeah, you have to be ready. ready. You cannot just, no, you don't hope you're ready. You better be ready. Yeah, some guys are out there, they're hoping. Yeah. They're, and that's, they're hoping. And yeah, the thing is, too, is, is there's also two types of, um, you know, and again, this kind of gets down into the weeds, but there's two types of um, resistance that you get when you're involved in somebody, right? You get the person, the general that we get is people just trying to getting away, right? They're not really trying to fight us. They're just trying to get away. They don't want to be arrested. They're trying to flee. The other one that you have is those that are trying to hurt you, right? That are trying to be assaultive to you. And there's a huge distinction in the two. And try, the person who's just trying to get away, that's all they're trying to do, right? They may punch you, they may kick you, that stuff, but they are doing it in hopes that they can create enough distance that they can escape. Right. The other person is the far more dangerous one, is that's the one that wants to hurt you. And if, and if you encounter that person and you are not prepared, uh, it, doesn't, it, uh, it could escalate into a use of force or into that use of force continuum in which you were not expecting it to be because yeah. you were not fit. You were not prepared. You were not mentally prepared. You're not physically prepared. You are not, um, you know, you haven't taken your training as seriously as you should. And it's all connected. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about it in previous episodes and we're, we're touching upon it right now, but the, the physical training is going to go into the defensive tactics training. But with the use of force continuum, officers need to be aware of all of their responsibilities in the continuum. And part of that is verbal. And so we talked about it a little bit earlier. Many officers uh, may not be as articulate or good with their words, fresh with their words, really creative with their words in terms of de-escalating a situation. That is something that officers nationwide need to constantly practice. They need to uh, learn their breathing, uh, remember their training, but also concentrate on talking with people and in a manner that's effective, that can de-escalate a situation. Um, Cam, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. One of the things that I wanted to touch upon that we can go over so our listeners uh, are privy to our department's policies in this. And again, department to department, city vary. to city, county to county, state to state. But, but for the most part, nationwide, uh, there's the question of, do you guys require the use of force continuum? We answered that. Do we require de-escalation training? We can say within our department, that's a yes. Yeah, our state requires it. It's a, it's a mandate, so... 
Um, we, like, we go above and beyond with that. Yeah. Uh, we put it, we try to put it into almost every squad training every month. Um, I can. De-escalation, de-escalation. Yeah, We're some always kind, constantly right. talking about it. And it's. At some level. Yeah. At some level. And it's in all, you know, basically your, you know, your, uh, your firearms, right? We have scenarios in which we attempt, um, you know, where we have to do de-escalation. It could be a no shoot or a shoot scenario, right? And it's we're still having to do that. In DT, we do it all the time, right? Um, in those right. types of scenarios, and then obviously we have that um, just training as well as to de-escalation, recognizing mental uh, health. Mental health is a big one. Yeah. With that. Right. Yep. Right. Another question that pops up, you again just kind of uh, brought us into this one as well. Are we required to exhaust all means before shooting? The answer to that is no, because the, the use of force continuum can change within a half of a second. Right. And so when we're talking about the use of force continuum, do we try and exhaust all means before shooting? That is a 100% yes. yes. But are we required to? No, we are not. Right. So our listeners understand it, it, it. You know, if I roll up to an active shooter and the dude's shooting at me, it doesn't make sense for me to go try to go hands on with this individual. Right. right? Exactly. So that's I, an extreme, I, but I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to skip a couple steps. Exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. think there's part of that too, is you have to look at it through a lens of what is, what is your average citizen required to do in faced in that situation, right? You're out with your family, you know, movies, whatever it is you're right. Are you expected to try to do something different in between there? No, you're, you're expected to take care of your, protect yourself and your family from serious bodily harm or injury or, or death. And if having the firearm and you're prepared um, to do that, then that's, you're not going to be, right? Nobody's going to second guess that. And I think sometimes people kind of get in, in their heads that law enforcement is some, we're like super at everything, right? I, I can't dodge a bullet. I'm fast, but I'm not that fast, mm. right? Uh, I, I'm I, allergic to bullets. Yeah, I don't know if right? you guys knew that. You know, right. uh, I mean, I have tough skin, but it, it ain't going to stop a knife, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't have, you know, I'm, I don't have the the Bruce Lee skills to try to block that thing and redirect it. Yeah, right, that Bruce Lee skills. And uh, I, no, 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 the master what? instructor, no, black belt, are you? I, no, I can hold. I can grab a hold of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can do that, but like to. You know, who saw that knife out of in, <laughs> into the air and something like that? It's not. And I think right. that's, uh, again, now should our skills be uh, above that of the of the general public? 100%, I believe that. And I and, should be training for yeah, that. Yeah, and you should be training for that. And, and I that, will, that's nothing more. That, that's a safety issue. Yeah. I mean, we, we aren't trying to win belts out there. Right. Okay. We don't get a trophy uh, for making that arrest. And, and man, I had a really good hold and, and arm bar on this guy. Right. That, that's not how this works. No, it's not. It's, you're not scoring points. Exactly. It's, it's not a point. It is, it's exactly. a win or lose. It is a pass fail. Right, right. Another question that comes up that we touched upon a little bit earlier. Do we forbid choke holds and strangle holds? Again, the answer to that is not necessarily. Right. Do we, do we train a choke hold? Let me tell you something. Uh, no, we do not train a chokehold. That is a I'm trying to save my life type move. Again, going back to human nature, you common response. If you take some citizens that have no training, we put them through a DT scenario. They're going to go for the head. They're going to yeah. go for the neck because they don't know how to. It's a natural uh, response. Yeah. No MMA skills, no nothing. Natural response. They're going to go for that. That is a life-saving move. And so uh is it forbidden? No, because there are going to be deadly force situations where maybe we can't in the moment get to another tool like, say, 
our firearm. And and maybe you just have to hold hold on for dear life and, and try so to make sure that, that, that you're one on one fight. Um and and Jared had brought it up, you know, one of those where they're trying to hurt us and you're in that one on one fight, it's hands on, they don't have any weapons at the time, but they get a hold of your gun. Mm-hmm. And you can't get your gun out, they're trying to get your gun out, and you've got to use you're at that point, deadly force is there, you right. know, and you've got to go home at night. Right. Because right. you got to remember, in, in every fight that a law enforcement officer is involved in, there's a gun. There's a gun that's that's there, regardless. It may be strapped to your hip, but that doesn't... There's make, always a gun involved. There's always a gun there, and so you have always have to be mindful of that. Now, our state, um, you know, restricts, has uh, very uh, strong restrictions, obviously coming off the heels of um, everything from uh, Minneapolis and that. Uh, so there are uh, very strict restrictions about chokeholds and... And those types of things, as well as the the knee on neck and those uh, things that we've seen come from um, from the George Floyd, but uh, incident. But uh, to just blanket say you can never do this, I think is is irresponsible to understanding that there it's are dangerous. situations. It's there dangerous are, for the officers yeah. to say you guys are never allowed to do this because, well, put yourself in our shoes in certain situations. Again, going back to that question. We try to exhaust everything else. We try to uh, stay within the realm of our defensive tactics uh, training and the tools available to us. But I will never sit there and say I will never put a chokehold on someone. It's it's forbidden because my life could depend on that chokehold in any given situation. Again, it's evaluation, constant evaluation, right? Is that something that I need to do? But I think where it, it comes in is just like Cam had said earlier, we have to be able to hit the brakes and that's where we've run into issues in the past um, where chokeholds were um, banned or not taught anymore because they were actually taught karate chokeholds were um, were taught very regularly back in the 80s, 90s and early 2000s. Um, the famous one in Vegas, not too terribly long ago, 20 years ago or so on the strip. Yeah. An example of of one of those that went around. Yeah, and so they're they're they were taught in law enforcement. So you probably have there are probably officers out there in this country right now that were taught a carotid chokehold when they were in the academy. And so now now what do you do with that? You know, is a, a carotid chokehold is is a lot different than an airway choke, right? And knowing the difference and understanding the difference is vital as well. Uh, yeah. So because they 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 are hugely different, they are vastly different in how they affect the body. Right, uh, the the carotid chokes. That's just cutting off circulation to the brain. Body shuts down. You know, you let that go. Blood starts pumping. Body is fine. Airway chokes can be a lot more devastating because of the the lack of oxygen that gets to the entire body, to the heart. You send people into cardiac arrest and and other other problems that come from that. So, very good education. Very good points. Um, moving forward, again, we're talking about the use of force continuum. These are common questions from uh, citizens to their local law and department uh, law enforcement departments. And another one that we haven't touched upon yet, are we required to issue a warning before shooting? The answer to that is no. Cam mentioned, what if I arrive on scene and someone immediately starts shooting at me? I'm not going to say stop shooting at me or I will shoot. Right. right? That's a perfect example that, that Cam uh, led us into this question with. But again, there's always danger in saying you guys are always required to do a, right. you're always required to do Z without recognizing that there's a whole other alphabet 
besides the A and the Z. And so when you decide to go to the extreme on the left and the, the extreme on the right, there's danger in that. And, and you're actually putting officers, deputies, lives at risk when lawmakers jump in not knowing or having a knowledge of the use of force continuum, however revolving and fluid these uh, dangerous situations are and saying, you guys have to do this before you do this. Right. As there's danger in that. Yeah. And that's why I don't like, the, again, I don't like the the word continuum because that it gives that impression that you, it's a something that you have, it's a step-by-step guide, I guess you would call it for, for lack of a better term, that you, that this is what you have to follow to get to your final step. And, and that's not the case at all. And, and the Supreme Court has held that that's not the case. Um, so that's why I said I'm not a big fan of the word continuum because, it, again, it just gives that impression that I have to make this step, this step, this step, and this step before I can arrive at, you know, I'm going to use a less lethal tool. Well, in, in the continuum, did you, did you use your mere presence? Well, it showed up. So, yes. Uh, did, you, did you verbally try to talk to him? I did, and he told me to f off and pound sand, mm-hmm. and uh, and that he was going to bash my face in. Okay, did you try to go hands on? Well, no, because my skills or whatever the the situation, the distance between the two of us gave I wanted me to the, keep that distance. Yeah, and I yeah. so I I just I decided to use my taser. Well, well, why didn't you use OC? Because that's that next step above going hands on. Well, no, that's not it's too far away it's going to not be effective right because again all the tools that we have not 100 of uh of everything is 100 effective to everybody so some people right. right you like the spicy food you may walk through pepper spray like it was you know that was the basketball sausage you put on your eggs in the morning <laughs> right and so and it affects it affects everyone too yeah differently you know small oh, yeah. small room right. Uh, right. I'll tell you right now, I don't do good with OC. Yeah, no, it's not my favorite. <laughs> if, if I respond to help an officer, he puts OC in that room, I bring it outside. <laughs> you and the suspect come out here because I, I can't go in. Yeah, yeah. Right and, and again, taser, again, the taser may not be effective. It is a tool that requires two probes to impact the body at a certain amount of distance um, for it to have be effective. Yeah. Sometimes and, the suspects are wearing baggy clothes. Other yeah. times that they were moving when those probes were coming out and it didn't hit exactly where you wanted. Maybe you just got one in. But these are the things that we're constantly reevaluating. Uh, Cam, that incident that, that happened just a few weeks ago where we ended up tasing someone uh, on our shift, he actually took and kept coming at us one to one and a half more steps before it was effective on right. him and he ended up going down. It is a danger to us. We utilize the tools that we have available to us, but sometimes it doesn't work, and we have to continue to reevaluate. Right. Do I do I have to go to something else in order for uh, this situation to resolve safely? My safety, uh, the citizen's safety, the suspect's safety. Um, believe it or not, as we continue this use of force continuum conversation, this is a very popular question that comes from the public: Are we banned from shooting at moving vehicles? I think that you've caught where we're going with a lot of this and again the answer is not necessarily right we are not banned because every situation is going to be different and there's danger in trying to put together a policy that says you are never allowed as an officer to shoot at a moving vehicle and we could probably give a lot of different examples um i mean 
the sky's the limit. Go ahead and think of a situation where an officer's life may be in danger. We don't have the ability to be a ninja-like individual, jump over cars, do a backflip. Maybe that individual is coming directly at us, right. and we have a wall to the left, and we're too close to a vehicle on the right. Whatever the case may be, there's a lot of different scenarios where a vehicle may be coming at us where we have to use deadly force. And so, again, you've been following a lot of what these, the answers to these questions are. Not necessarily. Yeah. Right. And being a firearms instructor on, on that topic. Um, Trader. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, I had to put that in. Sorry. I had to throw it out there. Yeah, sorry. You guys oh, gave me the, <laughs> hey, it's either them or us type yeah. thing. And you chose wrong. <laughs> literally the red shirts versus the blue shirts. Yeah, yeah it I mean, literally is. Yeah. And you chose wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay on your side of the, the desk over there. Yeah, because <laughs> if I don't present a deadly force, what are you going to do? <laughs> all, I'm, I don't know what to do. I can't use my firearm no more. <laughs> but when it comes to shooting at moving vehicles, uh, it, I mean, there's studies out there. It's rather ineffective for the most part, uh, which is one of the reasons there's a lot that can happen. We do it at the range um, because we know there's those possibilities where you're going to have to do it. And you see the rounds ricocheting, all, doing all sorts of weird stuff when they hit cars. Right. But there are there are there have been times, even recent times, where our county has had a use of force where it was contemplated that have a couple officers on the on the overpass as this pursuit comes through because it was a pretty dangerous situation have other units block traffic so there's a pretty good buffer of of where those rounds may go and and then you might engage it going to your example of a car careening at you um, if it's coming after you yeah but we've seen it in the nation where officers are putting themselves like blocking the exit of a parking lot. Yeah. Don't be stupid with it. Don't be stupid. That's not, you're, you're, you have gone full stupid, right. like real deep into the stupid. If you think that you have the capability of just going full Superman on that car and stopping it, I mean, you have put your life at risk and, and just for what, so that you can uh, better put yourself into a situation and a position of tactical advantage to make a better shot, right. get out of the way. And courts are and, and courts are, are swaying in that other direction of if are you putting yourself in a position to use deadly force um, rather than trying to, I guess, de-escalate, right? You know, de-escalation is I'm just going to get out of the way. I may know who you are. I may not. We'll come back to it. We'll find you another day. Yep. We'll work to, to do that investigation right. part of it. But if I'm going to put myself in that situation and then, and then I've, I'm forced to use deadly force, the courts are siding with, um, you know, with, uh, with the families of yeah. those that are either shot or injured or killed or injured. And, uh, that and cities are paying out quite a bit of money based off of that. So yeah. again, so you just gotta be, you gotta be smart again. Now, is it a never? No, it's never, it's never a never. Like, I like what you did. That, yeah. Yeah. It's never a never. It's never a never. And, and you have, I'll give you a, an example where it is a, you got to do it. Right. And we had one, man, I, what was this? Six months. Uh, couldn't have been more than six, eight months ago where we had a pursuit, uh, individual with a firearm, threatening an individual at a place of business. A pursuit started. It actually went through three cities, but along that way, as officers could not catch up in terms of an effective stop to the pursuit, a safe and effective stop. He was shooting at multiple vehicles. I think they counted up to 10 to 15 oh, vehicles yeah. uh, that the individual was shooting at while the pursuit was going on. Um, they, officers, set themselves up into a tactical position to meet up where he was heading. 
And yeah, there were, there were rounds shot into the vehicle. That's a good example as in it's never a never. Right. There's going to be certain situations where people are like, oh my goodness, this guy has gone absolute nuts. He's crazy. Um, I won't even tell you. I mean, there, there were multiple children in the cars that he was shooting at. Right. And so, yes, I think the general public would recognize that the police officers and deputies and everyone involved with this, don't forget about the troopers, right. uh, they are justified to try to end this as they should. Right. Okay. Um, but again, as we've talked about the use of force continuum, if you have any questions, hit us up. We are more than willing to answer what we can. We appreciate all the feedback that we have gotten. We promise we're going to do better. We're starting up again. I'm not going to let Cam ruin this. Uh, he is the sole reason why we have not kept up on it. Hey, look, yeah. let's go back to this. This was How a many would have issue. been published without me? Right. But I just, I just want you to know. Yes, I, no, I see what you did there. <laughs> right. I see what you did there. But the So what you're saying issue, is, the, is the computer, you're the, you're the only reason you're here is for the computer? He's our IT guy. I, okay. Can you tell? Yeah, just true. by looking at him. I mean, <laughs> he's our IT guy. Right. Now, we, uh, we appreciate... All the listeners who have supported us, we're going to continue to bring in really good subjects to talk about. Give us something that you want us to talk about. If there, there's no dumb question. I mean, these are a lot of these questions that I just went through are are out there because mm -hmm. what, I don't, certain incidents, certain media coverage, whatever the case may be, hit us up. We'll address it. We'll talk about it, and we'll continue to clear these corners with you.